Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Well, the big news today is the escalation of the trade war between the United States and China. Yesterday, I believe it was the president announcing tariffs on $200 billion of uh, Chinese goods. Of course, the tariffs are not on the Chinese goods. The Chinese goods don't pay the tariffs. Neither do the Chinese manufacturers. The tariffs are paid by the American consumers who choose to buy these Chinese goods, or the taxes are paid by American manufacturers or importers who bring in those goods and who pay the tariffs at the border and who then pass on those tariffs to their customers in the form of higher prices. I think initially there was some relief. The markets, I think, were expecting that the tariffs were going to be as high as 25% rather than the 10%. But, you know, the tariffs are set to go up to 25%, I believe, at the end of the year, if the Chinese don't uh, come to an agreement that Trump considers a winning deal for America. And in fact, Trump said that if the Chinese retaliated with some additional tariffs of their own, right, as a result of these new tariffs, that the U.S. would retaliate again with even more tariffs on a larger quantity of Chinese goods, which, of course, was like waving a red flag at a bull. I mean, how are you going to dare the Chinese uh, to do something? Say, hey, if you do this, well, then we're going to punish you. Because now if the Chinese don't react, it's going to look like the reason they didn't react is because they were afraid of the president, that the president's threat is what caused the Chinese not to retaliate. So once the president threw down that gauntlet, I mean, obviously the Chinese have to pick it up. They can't leave it lying there and act like they're afraid. So I think by doing that, the president basically guaranteed a retaliatory move, which already occurred because the Chinese came out today and they said, okay, we're going to put tariffs on $60 billion worth of additional American 
uh, imports. So now, okay, now Trump has to follow through with his threat uh, to increase uh, tariffs even more. And so this trade war continues to escalate and people still think that we're going to win. And they still believe that there is some type of method to the madness in that all of these tariffs are simply a down payment on a future where all the tariffs are gone, right? Where the goal here is free trade. It's just that in order to get to free trade, we have to make trade less free first. You know, I remember a lot of these politicians would always talk about how deficits are a down payment on a surplus, right? They would say, yeah, we have a deficit, but the way to get rid of the deficit is to grow the economy, but that's going to mean bigger deficits in the short run. But as a result of this increase in the deficit, we will eventually have a surplus, right? So I know that the goal is to get rid of the deficit, but we need to make the deficit bigger in order to get rid of it, right? Well, that's what the politicians always say, and it's a bunch of BS because it doesn't work. If you want to reduce the deficit, you just reduce the deficit. You don't start by making it bigger and then try to reduce an even larger deficit. You just start cutting government spending. But of course, they didn't want to do that, and so the deficits never go down. Well, now, when it comes to trade, if Donald Trump really wanted freer trade, he would just start cutting our own barriers to free trade, removing our own tariffs, opening up our own markets to more foreign competition, and then challenging the rest of the world to emulate the United States and take down their barriers as well. But even if the rest of the world did not do it, America would still benefit, American citizens would still benefit from more freedom from more competition, from lower prices, right? Now, of course, the government still needs revenue. If Trump wants to say, well, we need the revenue that we get from the tariffs because we're running these huge deficits, I mean, that's a different story. I mean, I would rather cut government spending, but yes, I am against the the deficits. And to the extent that these tariffs help mitigate those deficits somewhat, because to the extent that American citizens continue to buy Chinese products, the government's going to collect some tariff revenue from those American consumers, and that will make the deficits smaller than they otherwise would have been, right? So in that respect, you can defend the tariffs as a source of revenue, but you can't defend them as an instrument to bring about freer trade or lower tariffs. That is not what they are going to do. And in fact, if anything, they could have the opposite effect. Now, yeah, I would rather have tariffs than the income tax, but we have both. We have the tariffs and the income tax, and they're all doing damage. What does more damage is the government spending. But if we're going to spend the money, we have to pay for the spending. We do more damage by paying for the spending with deficits than with taxes, but it's still damaging. But meanwhile, nobody is worried about that, right? Everybody is excited about the benefits of the income tax cuts that they think are going to have on the economy, but they're not worried about the negative impact of the tax hikes that are coming uh, with tariffs. And of course, the tax hikes that are part of the tariffs, the tariffs will disproportionately affect lower income people and middle class people. The rich people, right, who got larger uh, income tax cuts uh, and who don't spend as high a percentage of their income on imports and who don't buy as many Chinese imports. I mean, who buys a lot of Chinese imports? People who are cost conscious, right? The Chinese make 
lower price stuff. If you're really rich and you're buying a lot of stuff that's made in Italy, well, you know, they're not slapping tariffs on Italian luxury goods. They're putting the tariffs on the everyday consumer goods, the low cost goods that are being mass produced in China for the middle class. And so the middle class disproportionately didn't get as much tax relief from the income tax, but they're going to get clobbered uh, by the tariff tax. And so for a lot of people in the lower income, they're going to lose more to the tariff tax than they gained in the income tax cuts, especially if they're working maybe in a higher tax state where they can no longer deduct uh, some of their local taxes there. But nobody seems to be worried about the negative impact of the economy of the tariffs. In fact, even today, stock markets were up. I mean, the Dow Jones had a nice triple-digit gain. We didn't close over 200 points higher. We were up over 200 at one point, but we settled up 184 points, not a record high. NASDAQ up over 60 points, still below 8,000, not a record, but hey, a good day, uh, three-quarters of a percent. So everybody is fine with the new tariffs, with the Chinese escalating, uh, responding in kind with their tariffs. Nobody seems to be worried. Not only is the stock market not worried about the trade war, they are not worried about rising interest rates. Look at the yield. I was talking about this you know, on the last uh, podcast, what's been going on with interest rates, looking at the technical uh, backdrop. I said that rates are going to move higher, and they are moving higher. In fact, we're at the highest levels since May. Uh, the 10-year is at 3 spot 048 the 30-year is at 3-spot-195. But more important than where we are is where we are technically, not the actual yield. But look at these charts. We are right below a key resistance level for yields. And we are right above a key support level for bond prices, which obviously move in the opposite direction of yield. So if we get a little bit more of a move up in yields. Let's say the 30-year, we can move up above, I don't know, even 3.2. I mean, we could go to 3.5 very, very quickly on the 30-year. On the 10-year, we get above like 3.1.5 or 3.2, let's call it, or not even, yeah, maybe 3.1.5. We could have a very quick move on the 10-year up to close to three and a half too. In fact, if the 10-year goes to three and a half, the 30-year is probably going to go to, you know, three, seven or something like that. But this move could happen very quickly. And of course, that's not going to stop uh, the increase unless, of course, we get a big drop in the stock market. You know, if we get back up to around three, five on the 10-year, yields haven't been that high since early 2010. You know, that's, that's over eight years ago. And we could be there very quickly. We could be there this week. The only thing that would stop it would be a big drop in the stock market. But so far, stock traders don't seem to care, which is the, one of the reasons that the interest rates will keep rising. Remember, in the past, one of the main reasons that interest rates didn't go higher and, and turn down was because the stock market would sell off. And as the stock market responded to higher interest rates by selling off, now all of a sudden that would create buying in the bond market. As people moved out of stocks into bonds, some safe haven buying. So it was stock market weakness that would put a cap on yields. And then, of course, if people really get worried about the stock market falling, then they start to think, wait a minute, the Fed's going to reverse course. 
They're going to take away the rate hikes or they're going to cut rates or they're going to do more QE. They're going to take policies to try to prop stocks back up. After all, the reason they did quantitative easing was to create a wealth effect, was to get the stock market to go up. And in the past, the Federal Reserve has reacted to stock market weakness by holding off on rate hikes or actually you know, cutting rates in order to prop stock prices up. So if stock prices really start to fall and now traders start to think about this, well, then they start buying bonds in anticipation of this change of policy. But if that is not happening, if the stock market investors couldn't care less about the bond market going down and interest rates going up, then there's nothing to stop interest rates from continuing to go up and bond prices to continue to fall. In fact, if you want to think about what the Chinese might be doing right now in retaliation, it's not that they are you know, imposing tariffs. It's that they are selling some of their treasuries. Now, obviously, they're not dumping their treasuries on the market or the prices would be falling a lot faster than they're falling. But they clearly uh, can be doing some selling as they're trying to you know, move uh, you know, small parts of, of their huge holdings into the market. In fact, during prior bouts of trade tension escalation, there has been a bid in the bond market. Right? It was causing people to buy bonds because they were worried about the trade war and how it might impact the global economy. And people were buying treasuries as a safe haven. That doesn't appear to be happening now. People are selling treasuries. This should be a worrisome sign for the stock market. And in fact, look what's happening in the U.S. dollar. The dollar index up slightly today, but not very much. We're still below 95, 94.64. You know, we're close to a three-month low in the dollar index. And even though you've seen the dollar strong against the EM currencies, it hasn't been strong against the euro or other uh, developed currencies. Uh, the dollar has not shown strength there. So I think people are starting to appreciate the fact that, you know, it's not all sunshine and, and rainbows for the U.S. economy when it comes to this trade war. And everybody is, you know, thinking that because, hey, look, right, the, the U.S. stock market is still up on the year. I forget how many percent, six, seven, eight percent, whatever it is. And the Chinese market is down 20 percent. They're in a bear market. So we're winning, right? The way Trump is keeping score, he's winning because the U.S. market is up and the Chinese market is down. So we are winning. But just because our market is up now doesn't mean it's going to stay up. And just because the Chinese market is down now doesn't mean it's going to stay down. You are talking about knee-jerk reactions, impetuous reactions by traders who really don't understand the implications of this trade war, who don't understand the real um, position, the precarious position that the United States is in, not just on trade, but on everything. So you have all this hot money that is making a bet on the U.S., and they're betting wrong. They've made a bad bet. I think they're going to lose on these bets. I think the better bet is to recognize the upside in China and other countries from this trade war and buying that dip. And oftentimes the initial move is the wrong move. I've talked about that a lot on the podcast. I mean, you get a, a knee-jerk reaction that goes one way before the bigger reaction that goes the other way. So everybody who is just jumping to the conclusion that we're going to win the trade war because the U.S. stock market has gone up since we started the trade war, it doesn't mean it's going to stay up throughout the continuation of the trade war throughout the escalation of the trade war. And if you look at what's happening at interest rates, again, interest rates are going to keep going up until they matter. See, right now the stock market doesn't care. Okay, so rates are going to keep rising until the market does care. Because the only thing I can think of that is going to stop this upward move in rates is going to be a big downward move 
in the stock market, which is pretty much insured because otherwise rates are going to keep going up. And I've already pointed out the weakness in the automobile sector, the weakness in the housing sector. Higher interest rates are just going to compound the problems that these sectors already have. And the consumer is already, you know, barely surviving uh, the cost of living increases. Look at oil prices up again today. You know, oil is back around $70 a barrel, but the chart looks great. And oil prices have been very, very firm, even as the dollar has been firm. If the dollar really starts to fall, which it hasn't done yet, it's kind of stopped rising recently, which is obviously maybe the first thing it does before it actually falls is it stops going up. And the fact that it's not going up anymore, despite escalating trade tensions, could show that that dollar trade has already played out and we're setting up for a big move down. But if we do start to see some weakness in the dollar, then we're going to see even more strength in the oil market. But I want to uh, you know, finish up on the markets and I want to spend the rest of this podcast talking a little bit about politics in particular, what's going on with Brent Kavanaugh and his fading chances of sitting on the Supreme Court because he appears that he may be sacrificed on the altar of political correctness. And I also blame the Republicans for allowing this to happen, to have fallen into this trap, not just with Kavanaugh. This has been slowly building, you know, the camel's nose under the tent. And, you know, once the Democrats play this you know, a card. And this is not the uh, the racist card. This is the, you know, the rape card, the violence against women card, right? There's a zero tolerance now. You can't even uh, create the appearance that you somehow are tolerant of, you know, any kind of sexual abuse against women, even if it's just patting someone on, on the butt while you're uh, posing for a photograph, right? Anything that happens, there is no sense of proportionality. There is no sense of degree, right? It's all, everything is the same when it comes to this issue. And this is the big problem. And if you haven't heard what's going on, you know, there were some allegations or a allegation uh, that happened, I forget, a week ago, two weeks ago, that some unnamed uh, person, woman, had come out and said that uh, that Brett Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her, um, you know, when they were in high school. Now, of course, Kavanaugh is 53 years old now, so this is over 35 years ago. But the initial allegation, Kavanaugh went out and denied it. I was like, I didn't sexually assault anyway. I, I, I category deny. I never sexually assaulted anybody. Well, initially, we didn't even know who the person was because, you know, her name wasn't out there. And there wasn't any details on, you know, what constituted the sexual assault. Uh, and so he didn't even know what he was denying. He just, well, I don't remember ever assaulting anybody, so it's not true. Well, now we actually have a name, Christine Blasley Ford, who is a professor, a psychology professor, I forget where. She's 51 years old, happens to be a registered Democrat. I mean, you know, don't you know, that, that doesn't mean anything, right? I mean, she just coincidentally happens to be a registered Democrat, not a Republican. But she has come forward now with the details of the encounter and, of course, the lack of details because much of it she doesn't recall. I mean, after all, it happened over 35 years ago. And according to uh, the accuser, uh, there was a lot of alcohol at this party. She says that Kavanaugh was drunk. So she was probably drunk herself. I don't know if she's admitted to being drunk, uh, but if there was alcohol at the party and, you know, the boys were drinking it, 
stands to reason that she probably had some alcohol herself. And, you know, when you're 15 and drinking, uh, you pretty much have a really low tolerance for alcohol at, at that age. But also, according uh, to Ms. Ford, she has no specific recollection of, you know, the exact day that this happened, or even if she could be sure of the exact year. She thinks it happened in the summer uh, between her sophomore and junior year uh, when she was 15 years old, and that would put Kavanaugh at 17, and I think he was still a junior, or between his junior and senior year in high school. She doesn't remember, you know, the specific city. She remembers the county, which is a pretty broad, I mean, I, I mean, what county it was in. I mean, that really narrows it down. I mean, what's the odds? She was going to a, a party. I mean, what's the odds that she would actually leave the county, uh, you know, to go to a party? I mean, so, I mean, pretty much she has no idea where it took place. She says she doesn't remember whose house the party was at. She doesn't remember how she got to the party. She doesn't remember how she left. But apparently she remembers that she was attacked uh, by Kavanaugh. She remembers specifically it was him, even though they didn't even go to the same school. I don't even know if they've ever seen each other before or ever saw each other since. But somehow she remembered his name. And she also remembered the name of his buddy, who she said was in the room when the assault occurred. Now, of course, she didn't actually tell anybody about it when it happened, right? She didn't tell her parents. She didn't tell uh, the principal of the school. She didn't call the police. Apparently, the first time she spoke about it was a few years ago in a uh, counseling session, a marriage counseling session, where she talked about an event that happened when she was younger, where she was attacked. I think, according to her therapist, she told the therapist that it was four boys who were in the room, but now she said it was just two and I think she told the therapist that she was in her late teens, but now it turns out she's saying she was in her, her mid-teens. She does recall, though, that the incident was, was, was so traumatic, right? Even though she didn't you know, report it to anybody, she does remember that it was difficult for her to have healthy relationships with men for another five years. Now, first of all, she was 15 at the time, so she's really not having relationships with men at all, right? I mean, she's having relationships with boys, right? High school boys, and then, you know, maybe, you know, some college boys. Uh, but, I mean, how many relationships did, you know, this incident really screw up if, you know, by the time she was 20, she was fine and, and knew how to deal with it? So I think she's, you know, already blowing out of proportion, you know, the problems that she had with relationships if by the time she was 20 you know, she had come to terms uh, with this with this event. But nonetheless, there's a lot of holes in her story, right? And since she remembers so little about it, and, oh, and apparently she remembers the name of the guy's friend, too, who happened to write a book about uh, how he partied a lot in, in, uh, in high school and drank a lot. And so I don't know if she happened to read that book, and that's why she knew the guy's name, right? Because he, you know, he had, you know, confessed to, you know, being a wild kid in his youth. And so it's possible that maybe he did something like this. And so maybe if you were going to make something up, putting this guy at the scene, you know, might lend some credibility to your story. But even by her own admission, though, she doesn't remember a lot of what happened. And there was alcohol involved, which means what she does remember may not exactly be accurate, especially since it's over 35 years ago. And she waited until three or four years ago to even bring up the story. And the story has changed since the time she told her therapist about it and the time she's telling, uh, you know, uh, Feinstein about it. Or now, apparently, they want her to testify uh, in front of Capitol Hill as to the events 
that took place when, when she was in high school. Now, of course, this is screwed up on so many different levels, right? First of all, you know, this is 35 years ago. Nobody could really remember, you know, the details of what happened 35 years ago, especially when you admit alcohol was involved and there's so much that you don't remember. I mean, maybe she dreamt this. And of course, it's also possible that some version of what she remembered actually took place. But from her perspective, she's not remembering it exactly the way it went down, right? Maybe Kavanaugh, his behavior was not quite as bad as she remembers it being uh, in her mind, right? Maybe she built it up to something that was a lot bigger than it was. And maybe that's one of the reasons that Kavanaugh doesn't remember it, because maybe it was such a non-event in his mind, because the way it happened was not nearly as dramatic as the way she seems to recall it, that he can't remember it at all, especially if he was as drunk as she claims he was. Why does she expect him to remember something that happened 35 years ago? But that's the other part of the problem. He was 17 years old. She was 15 years old. He's 52 years old now. What difference does it make how he was behaving as a teenager? What we do in high school as a teenager does not define us uh, as an adult. This 52, 53-year-old man is not the 17-year-old boy who may have acted inappropriately, who may have even assaulted this woman at this party, uh, you know, somewhere uh, in this county, I forget the name of the county, one summer, afternoon, evening. It's, it's not the same. I mean, people grow, people mature, people learn from their mistakes. We can't hold somebody accountable forever for uh, something that they did wrong when they were in high school. I mean, now... If, you know, you had lots of other Me Too women coming out, oh yeah, Kavanaugh did the same thing with me a year ago, right? If this guy had a pattern of sexual assault, right, against women as an adult, not as a kid in high school, okay, now you got a point. But the fact that not a single woman has come out and said, yeah, he's done that. In fact, every woman who has come out has come out to talk about what a gentleman uh, Kavanaugh is. So even if he wasn't a gentleman when he was 17, he is one now and he has been one for the majority of his life and certainly all of his adult life. Why don't we want to give him credit for that? Is this the message we want to send to young boys? Hey, if you screw up once in high school, you're done. You might as well never grow and learn from your mistakes. You might as well never be a better man you know, or atone for your sins because you're going to be held responsible for these sins no matter you know, what you do later on in life. No matter how virtuous you become, no matter how well you treat women, if you if you screwed up once when you were drunk and there was a bunch of peer pressure, I mean, if there was a lot of kids, she's saying there was another kid in the room, so a couple of drunk 17-year-olds, you know, there's a girl in a bathing suit, it's a beach party, stuff happens. Does that mean I'm excusing what happened? No, of course not. I mean, if he did exactly what she says, he took it too far. Right. And, you know, he should have been held accountable. I don't think it was a crime. I don't think he should have been prosecuted and put in jail. But I mean, his parents should have dealt with it. Something could have happened to bring this to his attention, that this was bad behavior. But again, I don't know to what extent uh, this 15 year old girl who was also probably drinking was leading these boys on or leading Kavanaugh on. I mean, maybe she didn't. Maybe she did. We don't know. And maybe, you know, maybe he thought 
that, you know, she was giving a signal that she wanted some type of encounter. And so he took a shot and went for it. Now, maybe he was a little bit too aggressive. Now, she's saying that, you know, he pinned me down and he tried to remove my clothes or tried to remove my bathing suit. Now, he didn't succeed. He just tried. Now, if he didn't succeed, that means he probably wasn't trying all that hard. I mean, if he was really set on raping her, if he was going to take off her clothes no matter what, then I'm pretty sure he could have done it, right? A 17-year-old guy, especially with help from his friend, one 15-year-old drunk girl, I'm sure if they wanted, they really wanted to take her clothes off, they, they would have been off. The fact is, he didn't succeed in taking off her clothes, and he didn't rape her. She left the party. She doesn't remember how she left, but she left, right? And so whatever he did, it was not rape. And again, we don't know, you know, what she might have done to uh, send out whatever false signals that he misinterpreted, or maybe, you know, maybe, maybe she, you know, changed her mind right away. Maybe she, she thought she was game, and then whatever it was, it happened. And these are teenagers at a party. You know, I am not blaming the victim if, in fact, she was a victim. I'm not letting Kavanaugh off the hook. I'm understanding the circumstances under which everything took place. But if you want to really know who's to blame, what about the parents? You got a 15-year-old girl at a kegger, right? At a at a you know a, a beach party with underage kids being served alcohol. Where are the parents? Why don't the parents know where their 15-year-old girl is? Who brought her to the party? How she got back? You know, I mean, where were they? What about the people who owned the house where liquor and beer is being served to high school students? Where were those parents? You know, why weren't they involved? I mean, you can't necessarily fault teens for acting like teens, but you can fault adults for not acting like adults. Where were the adults that were supposed to be supervising this party, making sure that there was no alcohol at the party, making sure that girls weren't alone upstairs in rooms with boys? That's what should have been happening. Those were the problems, not the fact that the teenagers who were drunk uh, acted inappropriately. That is going to happen from time to time, especially you know when you're young and you don't have a lot of experience drinking. Right. And, you know, teenage boys, 17 year old boys at parties, you know, with girls in bathing suits. I mean, you're asking for trouble if you don't have some supervision. This does not mean I'm saying that she asked for it. She deserved to be pinned down. No, of course not. But I can understand the fact that it happened and the fact that it hasn't happened again. The fact that this guy's had 35 years with nobody coming out and saying he's attacked me. Hey, it shows me that he's, you know, he's a good guy. He's an upstanding guy. Now, the problem is, you know, maybe, maybe this did happen. He's probably, he's afraid to admit it now because if he admitted he sunk, so now he's got to lie about it, even if he can recall it. So he's in a no-win situation at this point. Even, but as far as I'm concerned, it shouldn't matter. Even if, even if he did it, even if it went down exactly the way she said it did, it is not an issue that should be relevant to his nomination because it's got nothing to do with who this man is now what mistakes he made in high school I mean if you're going to go back to high school why stop there what about junior high school what if he was a bully in, in grammar school what if he punched some kid and took his lunch money can that kid come up and say hey this guy assaulted me and stole from me you know he can't be on the supreme court look I'm not defending 
bullies, right? Bullying is bad. But am I going to say that if you're a bully in grammar school, that that's it, that you've now set the stage for the rest of your life? You're now branded a bully. You can, and that's it. No matter what you do, no matter how you atone for that, no matter all the good that you do in your life since making those mistakes. And of course, bullies, it's more the parents' fault than the kid. I blame the parents who are raising the bully, not the bully. Just like I said, the parents are at fault for these kids being alone, getting drunk at this, at this party. But we can't hold guys responsible for all the actions that they take that may be wrong and may be inappropriate when they're still young and developing as human beings. And if we're going to hold men accountable, what about women? What about this double standard, right? Why is it that men can't, you know, learn from their mistakes? Because this basically gives women a, a weapon to use against men because any woman can come out and accuse any man of anything, right? And then, oh, what is he going to do? And it's, you know, you can blackmail. You could just say, hey, if you don't pay me a bunch of money, I'm going to bring up this time that you got a little frisky, you know, back in high school. And now I'm going to ruin whatever career you have. Right. I mean, we cannot set this precedent. But the problem is we've already done it. So, you know, how can you level that playing field? Because, first of all, women are not going to sexually assault men. Right. I mean, they're just not going to do it. It just just doesn't happen. Right. I mean, the average guy, I mean, typically he'll probably go through his day thinking, God, you know, I wish some woman would sexually assault me. I mean, for most guys, th that would be a great thing. In fact, for the typical guy, the only thing better than being sexually assaulted by a woman would be sexually assaulted by multiple women, preferably at the same time. Right. So it's just never going to happen. But that does not mean that women don't do bad things to men that women are just so high and mighty and, and, and men are just some, you know, evil jerks. I mean, women do plenty of bad things to men uh, when they're young. It's just not physical because, again, you got to appreciate the difference between the sexes. Men are generally stronger than women. So women, you know, even if they want to overpower men, they, they can't do it. Uh, but also look at the dynamics of the male-female relationship, the courtship. Men are expected to be the aggressor. Men ask women out on dates, right? And if there's a date and there's a kiss, it's the guy that is going to initiate the first kiss. I mean, now, is this always the case? No, of course not, you know. But in most of the cases, the guy is advancing the relationship. The guy is the gas. The woman is the break. This is the dynamic that the dance that men and women do. It's a ritual. It's courtship. So obviously, sometimes guys are going to take it too far. Guys are going to press too hard. Uh, they're going to think no means yes. And, you know, this is why we raise our children to understand, uh, you know, right from wrong. But clearly, even if Kavanaugh took this too far, he didn't take it to the point of rape. As I said, if he wanted to remove her bathing suit, her bathing suit would have been removed. Now, would he have liked the bathing suit to come down? I'm sure. But he wasn't going to do it by force. But obviously, he's got to make the move. He's got to attempt to do it and judge her reaction to see if, you know, if she's, no, I don't want it removed. Okay, I, yeah, all right. You know, I'm not going to do it. I mi misinterpreted that signal or I'm moving too fast, right? So you're never going to see a situation 
where the man is going to be able to say that the woman, you know, assaulted me. It's just not the nature of the dynamic between men and women. But that doesn't mean that women don't do bad things to men. I mean, women do a lot of bad things to men. In fact, women do a lot of bad things to other women. There are plenty of mean girls in high school, uh, you know, that really probably bully other girls and say things to other girls to make them feel bad about themselves, to that hurt their self-esteem. I mean, should women be held accountable from other women for the mean things they say, you know, when they're when they're in high school? But what about the mean things that women do to men in the whole relationship process, the whole dating process? Because they do do things, right? I remember, you know, when I was single years ago, you know, I would, um, you know, you go out to a bar uh, or a nightclub and, you know, try to meet women. And sometimes you'd find a woman and you'd spend some time with her, buy her some drinks, dance with her, and then you get her phone number. And you're like, oh, great, I got this phone number. I'm going to call this girl on a date. And, you know, back then we didn't have cell phones. So if you got a girl's phone number, she would have to write it down on something. And a lot of times you didn't even have paper, right? She'd write it on a napkin or the inside of a matchbook. Right. And sometimes you didn't even have a pen. Sometimes you'd write her phone number with a lipstick. Right. But you got you got the digits. You went home and you OK, great. I'm going to call this girl on a date. I remember sometimes you you know, you'd have a, a phone number written with a lipstick on it on a napkin and you get home, you go to call it. And one of the numbers would be smudged. And oh, my God, this is like, you know, I remember sometimes having to randomly dial numbers and, you know, take, you know, try one, try two, try three, and just keep dialing, hoping I get the right numbers so I can call this dream girl that I met. And so, you know, to see if I can, you know, take her out on a date. But a lot of times, so you'd get the girl's phone number and you go to call and then it's a pizzeria. She gave me the wrong phone number. Oh my. I mean, I mean, you know, that, that, that's, you know, could be bad for a guy's self-esteem, right? I mean, sometimes, you know, you call a girl up, she doesn't call you back. You leave a, phone, a voicemail, never calls you. But worse yet, you call a girl up for a date, she stands you up. I mean, how many guys have been stood up? Now, I'm not saying that, you know, only only women stand up. Man, there are plenty of guys that, yeah, I'll call you. Guys say all kinds of things to women, uh, you know, sometimes to get them into bed. And, you know, they they pretend that they have more feelings than they do. And, they and you know, and then you know, they lead girls on. I mean, men and women, they all do this stuff, right? Is it right? No. I mean, it's much better. If you meet a girl in a bar and if she doesn't like you, she could just be honest and lie about having a boyfriend instead of, you know, having you buy her drinks all night and then giving you a fake phone number. Uh, so, you know, you end up calling the pizzeria. But that doesn't mean that she's going to be disqualified from, uh, you know, some future career because, you know, uh, you know, she was a bitch to some guy. Right. You know, and, and some guy look, some guys deserve it. Right. Some guys are, are assholes and jerks and they deserve it. But again, that doesn't mean that, you know, 30 years later, you know, they, they, they need to be held accountable for that. Right. Something that happened when they're young. And again, I am not equating a woman giving me the wrong phone number to a guy taking, uh, you know, a pass he made at a woman a little bit too far and, and pinning her down. I think that what. Kavanaugh is alleged to have done is worse than what women did, you know, to me or what women did to other guys. But you know what? Given the relationships that we have, right, given where we are in this courtship dance, that is a woman, I think, behaving badly, just like Kavanaugh behaved badly, right? But it doesn't mean that, you know, he, he can't sit on the Supreme Court, that he's not a good person now, even if he did something that wasn't good Back then, 
That is why the Republicans should be saying, this is a bunch of nonsense. We're not going to have a hearing on this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter even if what she says is true. It is irrelevant. So why are we going to legitimize this by having hearings? But no, they're afraid. They're afraid to say it doesn't matter because now, oh, you don't care about violence against women? You don't care about rape? Well, of course they care. They just have perspective. They just, there are degrees of assault. And it matters when it happened. Did it happen last year or did it happen 35 years ago? Stuff that happened in high school doesn't matter. Right now, I mean, maybe if he murdered somebody, if he actually did rape her. But of course, if he actually did rape her, I'm sure she'd have gone to the police. She'd have gone to her parents. Something would have been happened. He would have been held accountable. The fact that she didn't talk to anybody about it until a few years ago, and it comes out loosely in therapy. But again, I'm getting off track. What we have to say is it doesn't matter. We don't need to hear her side of the story. Her side of the story is irrelevant to this issue. Right? And, and, and But now we're going to put Kavanaugh up on the stand and he's going to have to deny it. You know, Unfortunately, even if some of what she's saying is true, he's probably just going to deny it, even if you remember parts of it, because I think he's, if, he, if, he, if he confesses up to anybody, he's pretty much dead. But now, of course, we're going to put this woman up you know, to testify. And now when all these Republicans are kind of be, you know, asking her questions, there's, oh, you're ganging up on the victim. I mean, so it's almost impossible to question her, you know, as if she really was victimized by this, this, you know, action that I'm sure plenty of women have been through things that are probably similar to what she experienced, where a guy was a little bit too aggressive, but not to the point of rape. Right. To the point where, hey, maybe you had to slap him in the face and say, hey, I meant no. When I said no, I actually meant no. It wasn't like a prelude to a yes. It was an actual no. Right. And, you know, and, and so this happens. This has been happening for a long time. Right. And if we're going to say that any guy who has been in this circumstance, well, then forget about it. I mean, yeah, you, you might as well, you, I guess you might as well not have men any, on any positions of authority, which maybe is the agenda of the left is the reason that they're doing this, right? Is because, hey, you know, this is a, this is a guy, this is a white guy, you know, we need to take him down and, and, and this is how we do it by playing this, this women's card, this, uh, you know, uh, violence against women, because nobody is in favor of violence against women, right? And of course, nobody is in favor of teenagers, you know, acting the way Brett Kavanaugh was accused of acting. That is why parents need to do a better job of raising their children. That is why they need to do a better job of, you know, supervising their children at parties like this, knowing that young people with alcohol can do things that when they sober up, they're going to regret and that they're not old enough in some cases to appreciate the consequences of what they're doing, right? But I guess the bottom line on this whole thing is that by not coming out against this type of nonsense earlier, right, the Republicans have kind of put themselves into this position now where if a woman accuses a man of anything, the woman is automatically telling the truth and is a victim, and the guy is guilty uh, and and and, he, and he's horrible, right? And so you believe the woman, 
and the man's a liar, the woman's telling the truth, no matter the circumstances, and to not be able to differentiate between levels of degree, trying to say that anything a guy does that is inappropriate is on the same level as, as violent rape, right? Yeah, I can see doesn't have to be violent. You could you know, rape somebody Bill Cosby style, right? If you, if, you, if you give somebody some drugs and knock them out and then you take advantage of them, that's just as bad as beating them up. I mean, maybe not quite as bad, but it's pretty damn bad. But if you're drinking and you think a girl is into you and you, know, you, you are a little bit too aggressive in your, your advance and you take it too far, it's wrong. It shouldn't be done, but it's not rape. You know, it's not even assault. It's just bad behavior and it should be dealt with and it should be dealt with at the time by the parents. Right. I don't think it's, you know, although the crime is probably serving alcohol to underage kids. I mean, that was the problem that this 15 year old was at a party drinking with other kids, uh, all this high school party at the summer. Right. Don't, uh, that's really where you need to be outraged at the parents for not, um, you know, living up to their parental responsibility and not acting like adults who know a lot better than teenagers who, you know, have a lot to learn, who are young. And, of course, boys, there's all these hormones and they're all, you know, they're all, you know, horny all the time. And now you combine that with alcohol and peer pressure and stuff like this is going to happen. Again, I'm not excusing it. It is just the reality of high school teens. But guys grow out of this. In their 20s, 30s, 40s, you got a 50-year-old guy, respected member of the community, all these women, one after another, coming out, what a gentleman he is. I've never seen any act, any conduct like this. Clearly, if he was bad at 17, he's not bad now. If he made mistakes then, he learned from his mistakes, and he grew as a human being. He matured, right? Women should be putting this kind of guy on a pedestal, right, because he treats women very well, even if he didn't necessarily treat one woman well when he was drunk at a party when he was in high school over the summer okay but hey but now since we don't differentiate between degree well we're done right the argument is lost there, there is no way because it is impossible to prevent any woman from accusing any man of doing anything whether she's completely made it up or it's true because it doesn't matter because if it is made up you have to believe her, right? Because, hey, hey, it's 35 years ago. Prove it didn't happen. Hey, it was at some party. Yeah, I'm sure the guy went to parties when he was 17. I don't know whose house it was, but you uh, pinned me down and, uh, you know, you tried to take off my clothes at some party uh, some weekend in, in this county, uh, you know, in high school. All right, well, how do you prove that that didn't happen? In fact, though, she actually mentioned, again, I said she mentioned this other guy who apparently was in the room, and he's denied it too. He said, I don't remember that either. You know, and, and normally, you know, if she were making it up, she probably wouldn't make up the second guy, except that the second guy, you know, wrote a book admitting to, you know, the parties and the alcohol he had as a teen. So maybe if you were making it up and you were going to put a second guy in there, that would be the guy that you would put in because it might make sense that it would be him. But still, it's, you can't disprove it. But the minute the allegation is out there, you're guilty. And, and so this, you know, what are you going to do, right? They're, they're, the, the Republicans are going to have to find a new nominee that is acceptable to the Democrats so that this character assassination 
doesn't take place. But if they had the political courage to stand up for what's right and to say, yes, you know, I'm against violence against women, I'm against rape, but this is not the same thing. And even if it happened, you know, it's bad, but it does not affect the here and now, and it does not affect Brett Kavanaugh ultimately became the man he grew into is not defined by the teenage boy he was that summer uh, at that party, even if her version is 100% true, which it probably isn't. Even if it's true, it's, it's probably only partially true. It's probably not even as bad as she recalls, right? But even if it was, it is not what is relevant to his qualifications to sit on the Supreme Court. But it's not just going to be Supreme Court nominees, right? This stuff is going to keep coming up over and over again. The Democrats know they've got this card, that they can play it whenever they want. They just got to find somebody to drum up any kind of unsubstantiated allegation, no matter how long ago it occurred, and no matter how mild it was on the spectrum of sexual assault, right? It could just be the minimal of assault, right? You know, no clothes were removed. I don't even think the guy got to first base, right? But, you know, he pinned her down a little bit and put his hand over her mouth before she was able to escape and leave the party, you know, with no bruises. I mean, no, you know, nothing except apparently, you know, it was bothering her uh, for a number of years. It screwed up her relationships with men. You know, this 15-year-old uh, was having a hard time having relationships with men uh, because of, of this event. But no matter how old it is or how mild it is, in the scale and scheme of things, it doesn't matter, right? It's an immediate disqualifier. You can't hold whatever office that you're being appointed to or elected to because of one thing that one person said happened decades ago. As long as the person who's making the accusation is a woman and the person who's being accused is a man.